want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 14. John chapter number 14 is where we're going to be this morning. John chapter number 14. John 14 and verse number 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And you know, you can call him Doubting Thomas, but I'm so grateful for somebody that is just transparent. Okay, So I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know what label he wears in heaven, but here's a guy, there's no facade to him. If he doesn't believe it, he says so. Okay? If he can't imagine it, he says that. And so here's Jesus, and Jesus said, you know where I'm going. And Thomas is like, wait, no, we don't. We, Lord, we don't know. We, I, we don't, you're, you're saying we know where you're going, but we don't, we don't understand that. And so he, he speaks up in verse number 5, after Jesus said, Whether I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas just admits his ignorance in verse 5, And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? You ever, you ever, your grandkid ever asked you a question, and as you're answering, they said, oh, I know that. Well, then why did you ask the question? Okay. If you knew it, why are you asking the question? And so Thomas is saying, no, we, I, we, we don't understand. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. And Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father which that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. And verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Let's pray. Father, do help us today, we pray, and speak to our hearts. Thank you for the joy of being in your church, and thank you for every person that has been faithful to be here today. Bless those that couldn't make it, those that are sick, and those that we've mentioned. And thank you on this Vision Sunday that we can gather and uh, talk about you, our vision. And I, I pray now that you would work thy work in this place in Jesus name amen John chapter 13 14 15 16 and 17 uh, are fascinating chapters they they really comprise the closing instructions of the Lord Jesus to the apostles in the upper room so when you when you when you see in John chapter 13 Jesus washing the feet of the apostles that's in the upper room when you see the, the Last Supper, that's the upper room. When you see communion, that's the upper room. 
And so there in these chapters, this large grouping of chapters, um, it would seem like they're scattered everywhere, but it all takes place within that upper room. He's, he's now just hours from the crucifixion on Golgotha. And soon he will be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and all of them will, will, will forsake him. Every one of them will turn their back and flee. And Jesus knows this. And so he's spending time with them because what they're about to go through is going to be the most traumatic experience of their entire life. And, and, and it could be something that so shipwrecks them, that so devastates them, that they never amount to anything for the Lord in the future. And so he, he now, knowing what they're going to do, knowing what they're going to experience, Jesus now takes quiet time with them and he, and, and he talks with them. He, he bends the knee and washes their feet so as to give them um, uh, an example and remind them that they're servants and that no task is beneath them. He's telling them, don't get haughty and high-minded about your, your place in my kingdom and how that I use you in the future. Don't, don't let it go to your head. He's, he's showing them hu the humility of the, of the bent knee. He, he has supper with them. Judas during that time, walks out and uh, goes to betray him for the uh, price of a common slave. And, and then Jesus institutes communion service there while he's with them after, after uh, Judas has left. He, he tells them that men will identify them as his followers if they have love one for another. And can I just say that's still true today? That's still very true today that the hallmark, the birthmark, of every believer is, is love one for another. You don't have to agree. You don't even have to hang out together. But the one thing that we're required to do is to love each other. That's, that's, that is a commandment that God gives universally to His children, uh, and that is that we have love one for another. He, he then stops and, and tells Peter that, that Peter, regardless of what Peter thinks he is, he's going to ultimately deny Christ thrice. Three times he'll deny the Lord. He speaks peace to their soon-be-troubled hearts and tells them, assures them that when he leaves, he will return. I'm going away, but if I go away, I'll, I'll come back. He promises them that the Comforter will come. He likens, he likens uh, their relationship to him to a vine and its branches. Okay, I'm the, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you have no life. Without me, there's nothing and no one to sustain you. And he warns them that the world will hate them and that in the world, nobody's going to stand up and applaud their faith and their, their work and their efforts that they put into serving him. He, he, he then goes back into more depth about the Holy Spirit and, and talks about the ministry that the Spirit of God will do here. He comforts them. Uh, as he tells them that he's going to leave them. And, and then he tells them, can you imagine? He tells them, you're all going to scatter. I mean, I mean how's that? How's that sitting in the upper room? It's, it's like, you're going to leave me. Can you, can you imagine, can you imagine the, 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 the thoughts that go through their mind? He's telling me I'm going to abandon him. And then, and then after saying that, he, he says this to them, these things have I spoken unto you that in me, the God that you're going to abandon, in me ye shall have peace. Listen to this. 
In the world you should have, be, have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. That's amazing to me. He's telling them, you're going to leave me, you're going to, you're going to fail, you're going to forsake me, but, but in me you're going to find peace. And be of good cheer. The world will bury you. People will, people will be done with you. But he said, not so me. He's encouraging men that he knows will forsake him. And he speaks of peace and cheer. And, and, he, and, and then he prays for them. John 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer. Okay? The model prayer is in Matthew 6. You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. You know, you memorize that as a child. That's the model prayer. There's six points to it, okay? Put those six pieces together and you, you and pray each one 30, uh, uh, five minutes, you've got a 30-minute prayer. The reason we don't pray like we should is because we're disorganized. Pray 10 minutes per part, you've got an hour prayer. They don't push me because that's as far as my math goes, okay? So he's giving them an organized prayer in Matthew 6. In John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. And so he's... He's praying not just for them, but he's praying for those disciples that would come after them. Okay, And, and can I just say this to you, that, that he's praying for you if you've forsaken him. He's praying for you with all your flaws and all of your failings and, and all of your scars and all of, all of your mistakes and the things that you've done wrong and the regrets in your life. Can I tell you in John chapter 17 that Jesus is praying for you? And for me, and his message to us is the same message that he gave to them, and that is in me, in me, you'll find peace. And be of good cheer because I have overcome the world, and I'm grateful for that. Now, let me just, let me just say this, because I, I want you to get the sense of what we're doing here, and then we'll get into the crux of the message. But I, I want to I remind you that this is more than just black ink on white paper. This is not an emotional thing where people sit around and, you know, there's a comic book uh, in front of us and a little, you know, you, you got the little quote up here and there's a word in it and no emotion. And then, you know, you just read the little, the little just inky statements that are stuck on a page. No, no, I want to tell you, when, when you look at this, um, after three years of walking with him, there are emotional questions and there are emotional statements being made. These men are afraid and the thought of him leaving brings pain. I mean, they, they love him, they've lived with him, they've walked with him. And so when they say, where are you going? Why can't we go with you? It wasn't like R2-D2 for those of you that, that love uh, Bible stories. It, that's, that's not it at all. It wasn't, it wasn't some robotical. No, no, no. They, they, this, this was heart. Where are, where, where are you going? And why can't, what, what do you mean we can't go with you? We've, for three years, for three years we've shadowed your steps. We've been with you on Galilee when the, when, the, when the storm threatened our life. We've walked with you in jewelry when, 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 when people tried to stone. We were with you. We were with you at the precipice of Nazareth when they were going to throw you off a cliff. And now you say we can't follow you anymore? Why? Why the division? Peter's outburst. As you read these chapters where he steps forward and says, Nah, <laughs> no. Nah. You got it wrong. 
Can you imagine, not so, Lord? Can you imagine, how many times have we said that in our own heart? Not so, Lord? Well, you're going to do this? No, no, so, not so. No, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to do that. Well, that's Peter, but Peter's bold enough to say it publicly. Not so, Lord. Okay, that, that, wasn't, that, that wasn't some uh, empty show of bravado. That statement is dripping with emotion. Listen to me. Peter's jaw is locked. Peter is saying, no, no, no. There ain't nobody messing with you. And, and he showed in the garden when he cut the servant's ear off with a sword. You know, he wasn't one of the musketeers, so he wasn't really skilled. He wasn't going for the ear. He, Okay, you want to try it again? No, that's not what he's doing. He's trying to take the guy's head off. He's going to kill him. You mess with my Christ and you die. And so there's a lot of emotion here. And, and um, uh, when Jesus said, you're all going to forsake me, don't you, don't you think that room was flooded with emotions in the heart of these people? But in the middle of this sometimes instructional and sometimes emotional scene, Jesus makes an astounding statement to them. John 14, look in verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, watch this, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go to my Father. Now, that's an astounding statement. And there's been, a, there's been a, a, a bit of debate over what Jesus meant when he made this amazing promise, a, a prophetic, I should say, promise to these men that made up his first church, that early church. And I think if we're going to grasp what it is, the first thing we ought to do is at least take a moment and consider what were the works that Jesus did? What are the miracles that he did? I mean, if, if, if we're going to do greater works than these, what are the these? What's, when he says these, what's he referring to? Well, we, know, we know that in John 2, he changed water into wine. We know that, that he healed the, the official son. We know that he, he healed the, the Capernaum demoniac. Remember, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then he sat on the steps outside of her house as long lines of people came and he literally, uh, uh, John, John chapter 5, he literally healed one after the other, after the other, after the other. He's then seen in the boat and orders the fish to get into the net and, and so many fish went into the net that the, that the net break. That's not the only time that happened. But I mean, these were men that scrounged their living off of the sea, and Jesus said, nah, put it on the other side. <laughs> and Peter did, and the, it was amazing. He healed a leper. He, he made a miracle of healing a centurion servant. He healed a paralytic man. He healed a withered hand. He raised a widow's son from the dead. He stood in a boat on the, on the Sea of Galilee as the winds roared around him, and, and the elements raged, and God of creation, all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. He stood and gave the command, and the waves laid at His feet like a docile puppy. I'm going to just tell you, He showed, he showed Himself to be God over the elements. He healed uh, the, the, the maniac of Gadara. He healed the woman uh, with the issue of blood that had spent her living trying to find help and could not find it. He raised Jairus' daughter. He he healed two blind men. He, 
he, he uh, found a, uh, a mute demon-possessed man and, and set him free. He healed a 38-year invalid that for 38 years had tried to find help and could not find it, and, 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 and Jesus healed him. He fed 5,000 men and their families, and he walked on water, and, and uh, he, he just he went throughout the region healing, and the girl that was possessed with a demon, he set her free, and the deaf man with a speech impediment, and he fed 4,000 men and their families again, and another blind man, and, a, and, and the man born blind, and the demon-possessed boy that the father, the father said, I brought him to your disciples, and, and they couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, no, you can't, you can't do this without prayer and fasting. That was off after he came off of the Mount of Transfiguration. The fish with the coin in his mouth? Go try that. Go try that this afternoon. Okay. Healing a blind man and a mute man, both demon-possessed. A woman with an 18-year infirmity. The man with dropsy. The ten lepers. Remember that story? Only, nine ret- only, only one returned. The nine did not. What a story. What a- he raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed blind Bartimaeus. He cursed the fig tree so that it bore no fruit. He restored the severed ear. Later, 153 fish they caught after fishing all night and catching nothing because they were out of the will of God. Brings you night, it brings you nothingness. Now, I don't want to take the time to do this because it'll be overwhelming, but I'm just wondering how many of you, as I read through the 37 miracles that are recorded, Those are just those recorded specifically in the Bible. I'm just wondering how many of you did any of those. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. That's not the greater works. God didn't say, Dean, I fed 5,000 with a few fish and a few loaves. You're going to feed 10,000. That's not what this is talking about. Dean, I healed a blind man, and so guess what you get to do? You get to go around healing blind people. Look, if that's true, then why do we have hospitals? I'm always, I always get comical about, about faith healers who talk about healing people, and then they straighten their glasses. Well, I, if, look, I hate glasses, okay? That's why I had LASIK surgery, so I would have taken care of that a long time ago. I'm also not a fan of dentists, but anyhow, let's don't get into all that and, and, and get off track. So is the servant greater than his Lord? Is he that is sent greater than him that sent him? No, we, we don't have power to heal the lame. Now, I believe God can heal a lame man, but I don't believe he's given me that power. Or sight to the blind. We can't feed the hungry masses with just a handful of fish and a few loaves of bread. We can't cleanse the leper and cure the cancer. If I could, we would have less prayer requests in this church today. If I could heal that, I would heal that. And so, uh, and so we don't have the authority to interrupt a funeral and raise the dead. Or I'd preach no funerals. So the greater works that Jesus is speaking about doesn't refer to the literal miracles that he performs. So what's he talking about? You know what he's doing to a certain degree? He's sharing his vision for the New Testament church. He's saying to them, listen, you, you've seen what I've done, you've been with me. I want to tell you this. My vision for you is that you do greater things than the things that I have done. Why? Because I go to the Father. So the going to the Father 
is linked to the greater works. There's a, there's a reason for that. Let me, let me, let me and, and by the way, if you follow this and read it through the book of Acts, you'll find out that they were accused of turning the world upside down. These are the men that have literally turned the world upside down. And, and, and so that's quite a statement. Let me, let me give you some things that I think apply to us. First of all, he gave us greater boundaries. Okay, He gave us greater boundaries. The geographical boundaries I want to talk about, first of all, Jesus is Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. But when he entered this world, he clothed himself in human flesh and dwelt amongst us. And, and in doing so, he took upon himself all of, the, all of the limitations that come with that robe of flesh that he wore. He traveled mostly by foot. That's how he got around, maybe some animals at times. Somebody did a study through the Gospels of the travels of Jesus and they came to the conclusion that he traveled by foot 3,125 miles during, during the years of his earthly ministry. Now, I, don't, I didn't do that study. That's just something that I found on several different areas. He ministered primarily in Galilee and Judea. And quite honestly, the sphere of his earthly ministry was limited to about a 60-mile circle. That's where Jesus was. You want to find Jesus? Jesus is somewhere within that 60-mile circle. You go in there and you can find him. Because that's where he's at. He's localized. His ministry was local. He was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And his ministry was anything but worldwide. When you contrast that with the worldwide scope of what he handed uh, to, to, to his apostles, uh, it's amazing. He said, why? Because I go to my Father. And what did he tell us? When he went to the Father, he was going to send the Spirit, okay? And the Spirit's not local. We'll talk about that in a minute, but the Spirit is universal, and he, and, and he, indwells, he indwells the temple of every believer. And so as we go through the book of Acts, uh, we find that there's no set limit geographically on their ministry. They're to, go, they're to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I love it in Matthew 28. He says, go ye, ye therefore and teach what? All nations. Well, teach, teach the nation. No, no. We're not just called to the nation. We're called to all nations. Okay? And, 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 and so the, it's much broader. Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Romans chapter 1 verse 8. First I thank my God, through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So he's saying to them, listen to me, you're, 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 the testimony of your faith is everywhere. Everywhere I go, I hear that people have heard of you. And so there were no geographical boundaries that were placed upon these men. Greater works, you're, the scope of where and who you're going to minister, minister to is greater than where I have been. 60 miles. Okay. There were no linguistic boundaries. Jesus spoke the language of the Jews of that country, and even his illustrations were drawn from the everyday life that surrounded people that lived in that region. But on the day of Pentecost, there were 17 different uh, people, uh, people groups there, 17 different. And so that immediately presents a language problem. So what are we going to do? We got one message. We got, we got this preacher, and, and, and Peter's going to be the main impetus for that. He's going to preach the Word, though others preached also. He's going to preach the Word on the day of Pentecost. 
but we got 17 language groups. How in the world can we get this message to all of these people? You know what happened? Because I go to my Father. The Holy Spirit now interprets that word, and everybody hears in their own what? Tongue. Okay? It's a language. So everyone hears in his own tongue. And so miracle of miracles. This guy speaking Hebrew, and this guy over here is hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing in my language. It's an incredible, incredible miracle. Later, the apostles preached throughout the whole known world, and probably using interpreters. I remember when I went to India, it's the first time that I ever preached through an interpreter. And I would preach a little section and stop, and he would preach. And then I would preach, and he would preach. And I would preach, and he would preach. I'd never done that before, and so it was a little bit, I'd looked online at some guys that had done it, so I sort, of, I sort of picked up the rhythm of how to do that. I wanted to educate myself and instead of going over there and us running into each other. One day, the, the day was off, it was an off day, and the pastor said, we're going to meet, I'm going to meet with this businessman, we're going to plan some things for the future. You can do whatever you want to do, Brother Dean, and I said, give me a motorcycle. You know, I want to have devotions. And so I said, give me a motorcycle. I'll just fill it up with tank and let me have it. So he got me a Honda 100, filled the tank up, and I just, I took off. I don't know where I took off, riding on the wrong side of the road over there. I just took off, and I started making notes, okay, at the oak tree, there's a cow turned right. I'm serious. I'm not joking. I, I did that. Pulled into a village, had a backpack full of, 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 of uh, cheese crackers, and kids were pouring out. I had certs and everything. I was giving it out, and then I was giving tracks out. Well, I went way out in the middle of nowhere, 40 miles out, and there's a guy out in a field, and he's plowing with a wooden, with a wooden plow and, 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 and two oxen. So he's plowing down that field, and I stopped and pulled my bike over and got out and was taking a picture. Well, he stopped the oxen, came over, and uh, he had some English some broken English, enough where we could communicate. His name was Domina. Domina, that's a god. It's the name of a pagan god. And he introduced himself. So he said, I'd like to introduce to you my parents. And I was thinking, ah, <laughs> no, I don't want to go any further than this. And, and I just, the Holy Spirit said, let him on. So I said, all right, climb on. So we took off and rode back way up into his village. And he showed me the village chief. We talked. He took me inside his house. I was complimenting his mother, and she wasn't saying anything to me. And he said to me, she, she's not supposed to talk to you. I said, oh, okay. Well, tell her I said that looks good. So, you know, they, they had animals living in the house. and So we got on the bike after he showed me his village. We drove back to the field, and as we were standing there, my heart was broken for him. And so I started talking to him about Jesus Cristo, but that's as far. I, I just, I didn't know what to say to him. And, and my heart was just bleeding for him. So I got on my motorcycle and drove all the way back to the village where Brother Isaac was at. And I found him. And I said, you got to come now. you, you got to go with me right now. We, we can't wait. we got to go right now. And he said, what, what are we doing? I said, I met a young guy. And so we got in his vehicle. And I'm telling him how to go reading my lesson. We're going back out. And there he is out in the field still plowing. So we got out of the truck and called him over and walked out into the field with him. And Domino walked up and Brother Isaac started talking with him. I didn't know what they were saying. They're talking in canonical language, and I'm, I'm just sitting there weeping in the middle of a field that I never even knew existed. And I'm praying for this boy's soul that he would get saved. And the kid comes walking down the road his same age, and he walks up to him, and, and uh, he starts talking to him. And Brother Isaac then talks to him, and then he steps in. And I'm praying now for both of them. Don't know what's being said, but it was over with. They bowed their head, and both of them prayed. 
And they both of them got saved out in the middle of that field nowhere. Language barrier. The Spirit of God was able to get through that. And both of those boys enrolled in Brother Isaac's Bible Institute, and he trained them. And he told me on the way back, he said, Brother Dean, you're not going to believe this. He said, so help me, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not stretching the truth. But he said, when I was dealing with Domina and his friend walked up, he said, what are you doing? And he said, I looked at him and said, I'm telling him about Jesus and how to be saved. And he, I said to him, have you been saved? And he said to me, how can I know except some man show me? Right out of the book of Acts. And he got born again. I want to just tell you something. The Holy Spirit of God can take a little nucleus of people and he can use our investment and our vision and our dreams and our efforts and our energies to get the gospel around the world. And if you're not plugged into the mission program of this church, if you're not, if you're not giving to missions in this church, you're missing, you're missing the main thing that, that we've been called to do and that's to get the gospel in our community, in our state, in our nation and around the world. Don't lose out. Don't live the self-life. Get invested in, and, 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 and God gets us beyond that. And then there are numerical boundaries. I, I don't have time to spend a lot here. He had 120 disciples in Jerusalem. 500 were in Galilee. And that was it. That was it. Do you know there are ministries around the world today that in one single building have more than that? Many ministries that have more people there. What are you saying, preacher? Because I go to my Father. See, He goes to heaven, sends the Holy Spirit of God. And where Jesus would walk down the aisle and speak to each person and impact their life, the Holy Spirit moves in our midst and, and, and He's convicting this guy and that lady and this kid. And, and all over the place, people's lives are being touched and, and they're being moved because He went to the Father. And now the Holy Spirit of God does His work in this world. And while you were having services here last Sunday, I was in Tampa, Florida, and God was working here, and God was working there. And so there are no boundaries to what the Spirit of God does. He, he works everywhere, and it's the greater, it is the greater work. Not only that, but He gives us a greater present. He set aside His omniscience, so He, he couldn't be everywhere. Jesus couldn't be in Galilee and Judea. He was in one or the other. But the Holy Spirit can, can be in both. He said in John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so, so because I go unto my Father, he had to go so the Holy Spirit could come and empower us to do the greater works. And ministry became greater works because... He empowers us here at South Valley, and He empowers our missionaries and, in, 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 you know, uh, the Sheridans and, uh, in Chile and, and the Keks in Papua New Guinea and Buddy Thigpen in, in Russia now ministering to the Ukrainian people. I just got a letter from him as he's feeding them and, and, and just being in places so deep into that, it's unbelievable. Just amazing just amazing to me. This kid that played shortstop behind me when I was on the mound, now he's, in, he's ministering to broken Ukrainian people. He's in the thick of it, and sending pictures of burned out villages and talking about lives that have been shattered and people, people that he's ministering to and orphanages whose parents have been killed in the, in the war. I'm just telling you, he's with the parks in Korea and, and, and the Barretts in England, and he's working around the world as the Holy Spirit empowers believers. 
and convicts hearts. Not only that, but he gave us the greater miracle. He gave us the greater miracle. We brought a guy up here that was blind, and I said, all right, folks, I want you to pray with me. And I laid my hands on him and said, heal. And all of a sudden, he opened his eyes and looked and said, my word. I can't believe that. I can't believe what I'm seeing. You know, it would, be, it would spread everywhere. But you know, did you know that the restoring of spiritual sight is, is far greater than anything we can do physically? Every, every, everything that Jesus did, it was... See, the miracles weren't just for the miracles. The miracles were for the fact that He was the Savior. And I know He did them out of compassion. But a lame man... A lame man represented someone who was, who, was, who was unable to get up and move themselves forward. I mean, think, think, of all the, think of all the symbolism in all of that. I once was blind, but now I see, Hank Williams wrote. I'm just, I'm just saying that, that, that he's given us the greater work. Listen, Jesus didn't come to heal a blind man. He said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, that God... That God would so move our hearts to seek and to lead lost people to Jesus Christ. See, that, that we, we would just have such a moved and a broken heart for that. We're not a club. God hasn't called us here to be a club. Let's get together and enjoy fellowship. Well, fellowship's wonderful. But if we're sitting down while the world is on a toboggan slide to hell and we're not reaching out, that's why I said earlier, I cannot stand visitation. I don't mean me personally visiting people. I mean I'm talking about church visitation. We go out and, we go out and find people that ought to be in church and we beg them to come to something they don't want to come to. No, no. You know what we ought to do? It's, it's not a, it's not a, listen, I'm going to say it again. It's not a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. It's not a Thursday night at 7 a.m. It's none of that kind of stuff. It's us living the life, being the witness. He didn't say, you shall go witnesses unto me. No, he said, you shall be. You're going to be. And so what we've tried to do at South Valley, what we try to do, and we have organized blitzes, and, and again, I, I shared some of that in Sunday school when we're going to do those things, but, but, you know, somebody comes to me and says, when do we go soul winning? When you want to go soul winning. When you want to go to share the gospel. You ought to share it on the job. You ought to share it with your neighbors. You ought to share it everywhere you go. It's, it's not a program. It's a lifestyle that the church gives. Now, we're going to, again, we're going to have times where we encourage you. We put materials in your hand where we go out in an organized push in our community. But if that's the only time you do it, you're doing it for the wrong reason. We have to be realizing that the greater miracle is sharing the gospel in seeing a person come to Christ, that's better than anything you'll ever do. Not only that, but he gave us the greatest credentials. And I'm going to close, but listen to me. He had already taught them to pray. Remember that? He revolutionized their prayer lives. So here's what he said to them. When you pray, here's how you pray. First two words, bam. Do what? Our Father. Wait, no, no this is God. Oh, this is Sinai. Oh, this is Jehovah. Okay. This is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Shalom. 
You could go to the average bookstore and find a list of those names. You, 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 know, you, know, you know the name? It's Father. It's, it's, when I go to Him and pray, why? Because Father means He's provider. Father means He's forgiver. Father means He's my banner. Father means He's my shield. Father means He's my protector. Man, if I was in trouble, I'm going to tell you my dad was there. He's my protector. There was something going on in the neighborhood at the house. My dad was there. I wasn't afraid. Why? Because my dad, my father, he's there. So when you pray, Jesus said, here's how you approach him, Father. It's amazing. And, and then he said this. Listen, listen. He said, the greater works, the greater works that I do, um, you're, you're going to do. Now what, look in verse number 13 and 14, and whatsoever ye shall ask how in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, so, so he hands us greater credentials. He's already taught them to pray, but now he's teaching them this. Let me tell you how to pray. Approach God as Father in my name. How many of you have a Costco membership? Can I see your hand? What's wrong with the rest of you? But anyhow. Chad takes me out to eat at Costco. And I, it's, I, look, you have no idea the fellowship we have circling those places. We change our voice like, you know, we're British and, and different things. And, and uh, we swap coats and things. And if they give out a quarter of a burger, you get a whole burger if you just pass by the stand four times. But anyhow. And then there's shifts. There's certain shifts where new people get in and you, so you can just go right back through the line. It's amazing. Great food, by the way. Let me help you with something, okay? If, 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 I, say, if I say to Max, Max, I need you, could, you. could you get some tires for me at Costco? Okay. So Max is running over in his truck. He's going to pick up some tires for me. You know what Max has got to have to get in Costco? He's got to have a card. Okay. He can't just go and say, I'm going to buy tires. They won't sell them to him. Why? Because he's not a member. He, he don't have the credentials. He ain't in. Okay? He's not in. He's out. Okay? So I'm actually going to stand at the door saying, I want to get my preacher's tires. But he can't get in because he can't show him his card. So, so what this is, is when we pray to the Father, how do we pray to him? The credentials, Jesus said, here's, here's what I'm going to give you so that when you pray, You'll have power, my name, my name. When you pray, you pray in Jesus' name. And that gains you entrance into everything that I can do in your life. It's not our own power, or our own strength, it's just him. Now, let me close by saying this. Mark chapter 6, verse 5, there's only one hindrance. Jesus went, to, Jesus went back to Nazareth. Home. Listen, he's coming home. <laughs> oh, this is great. He's, he is shaking the world. Crowds are following him. He's going back home. They're going to have a parade for him. Okay? They're going to have a parade for him. They're going to, I mean, listen, they're, they're going to pull out all the stops. Everybody's going to be there. They're welcoming the hometown boy that did good. The world now knows who he is. The most popular man in that 60-mile area is coming back there to that little village. They tried to kill him. And Mark 6, 5 records this. And he could do there. Where? There. 
Nazareth. No mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Uh, this is my question to you on Vision Sunday. Do you believe that greater works are possible? Or are we content to lay our hands on a few sick folk? I'm not talking about the size of our church, because the, 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 the measure of a church's greatness is not in its size, it's in its reach. I'm, I'm talking about how many people are we ministering to and reaching and loving I don't care if they're homeless and can't put a dime in our offering plates. When we went to the lighthouse and preached every Sunday afternoon for, uh, for so, so long every month, and, you know, we didn't gain anything, but we gave something. So are we going to buy into the greater works, put our shoulder to the plow? Or are we going to sit back and say, you know what, I just... I like a church where a few sick folk are helped. This is his church. It doesn't belong to us. We belong to it. And this is a world that he gave his son to reach. And my prayer for me and for you, after almost 17 years, is that we buy into deeper, than ever before, the greater works. That we just do the greater works. That's really what the Institute of the Bible that we're starting in September of next year is all about. It's equipping us to do the greater works. Hey, don't, don't, don't be content. Don't sit back and hit cruise control. Let's, let's, let's let God use us more than you ever dreamed that he could. More than you ever dreamed. He's got things he will use you to do that you cannot possibly think possible right now if you'll just yield and believe and sign on for the greater works he has for your life. Let's, let's pray. Could we do that? Greater works than these. Greater works than these. Greater works than these. It's what he's got for you. It's what he's got for me. Would you let God, the Holy Spirit, right now, Speak to your heart. Would you let him give you the vision that Jesus had for you, for me, for our church? God's been good to us. He's been so good to us. But there's so much more that he wants to do with us missionaries, neighbors, community. He wants us to impact and reach and influence. 
Our Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for us. I pray you'll bless us and use us in, in the greater way, the greater works to accomplish greater things than what we so often feel possible. Thank you for each person here, Lord. Use this to minister to our hearts, each and every one of us. In your name we pray, amen.